Hey everybody, this is Shop Talk Show number 282. Uh, Dave and I have a couple of guests on this week, uh, and we're going to be talking about something that all of us should probably be doing a heck of a lot more of on our websites that we work on, uh, but shamefully don't. I wonder if you can guess what that is, and uh, these two fellas work at a company that's aptly named for that thing that we're supposed to be doing. Anyway, Mr. Dave, please kick it off. Hey there, Shopamaniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show, a podcast all about front end web design and development. Chris, I'm testing out like an old version of our intro. What do you think? It was a <laughs> test. It was a test, Chris. Yeah. Did you a, like it? Yeah. Was What were the results of the test? It was a control um, in the control one, my brain test. Whichever would come out of my mouth. Chris, what's happening today? We got people in the studio. Well, I don't know if they could tell, but we're going to end up talking. We're going to say the word test a lot of times. So if you hate the word test, this is not the episode for you. But you should listen to it no matter what because it's uh, it's an important part. It's a vital part. It definitely comes along for the ride no matter what kind of developer you are. Uh, uh, and we're going to be talking a lot about browser testing and automated testing, all kinds of testing. And we have two people who know a heck of a lot about testing because it's kind of their job. These two fellas are from uh, a company called Cross Browser Testing, which is a part of another company called Smart Bear. And testing, testing, testing. Anyway, let's hear from them. We have Eli Brumley. Hey, Eli. Hey. Hey, Chris. How are you? Good, good, good. Thanks for joining me. And uh, 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 John Reese. Hi, John. Hi. So tell us about stuff. Tell us about, um, uh, you know, t- take turns, but I'd like to hear, you know, and I, I should say you do both work for cross-browser testing, right? I got that right. We do. <laughs> yes, we both work for cross-browser <laughs> testing, uh, a smart bird company, and uh, we uh, became a smart bird company back in April of 2016. Uh, it's been a very, uh, really awesome in, in, in inquire uh, from SmartBear, and um, we've we've gained a tremendous amount of forward effort into uh, growing the platform and making it just a, a really seamless experience for uh, you know the painful thing, which is cross-browser testing. <laughs> it's an aptly um, named company, literally cross-browser testing. When we say, I mean, people, the words cross-browser testing just flow out of people's mouths when they're just talking about it as a concept, and it's also the name of the company, which is a pretty wonderful thing. Um, John, what's up? What do you do for cross-browser testing? Uh, I mostly do back-end stuff. I handle a lot of our... Um, infrastructure and our selenium uh work on our api a lot um so when it comes to testing i know i know a lot of the testing but i don't know a lot of uh what the testing is doing on the front end <laughs> and that's where i come in <laughs> so so my official i guess title for uh cross testing is is designer I'm, I'm more of a ux ui guy uh and really just making sure that uh, the marketing stuff is ship shape uh, as well as taking some of these really powerful tools that the developers uh, build out and making them intuitive, uh, an intuitive spirit experience for, for the users. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, so we're going to talk about cross-browser testing in general and probably some about the company itself. You might recognize them. They are a sponsor of Shop Talk Show just a couple of weeks ago, I think. And I should mention like every other show on Shop Talk Show just because these Yes, happen to be from this company. This isn't a sponsored episode of any kind. Just like if we have somebody from Microsoft on, it's not a ad for Microsoft. It's just it's just interesting because they know more than the average people do. You sorry, what's that, Chris? I'm in my uh, cross browser testing boat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. I yeah. Did you guys of, get those briefcases I'm, of money we sent? <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Uh, just gifts, you know. Yeah, yeah. I will not bow to any sponsor. <laughs> says Garth. Uh, okay, Dave, you got yeah. you, uh, lots of stuff has been flowing through your mind here, I'm sure. I'm yeah, 
So uh, can can we have a moment here of honesty? Uh, testing is something I am not good at, or <laughs> I, I rarely do. I don't really excel. Uh, so I thought maybe like the best place to start in having testing experts like y'all here, um, can we talk about the different types of testing you can do for websites? Can we get like a general overview? Cause you know, I hear words like functional unit, visual regression, you know, what, what are these things and why do I use them and when do I use them? And yeah, can you pick one, take a Go. stab at that? <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, I think there are kind of tiers of different uh, testing, different levels of integration in your app. So you have unit testing, which is testing individual components, you know, kind of the atomic level of your, your application. Um, and then... Uh, that's the one that's like, does my function called sum actually add two numbers together? And I'm right. going to write a test that says I'm going to give this function one and two, and it better as hell return three. And if it doesn't, you have a problem. Yeah, okay. I think that isn't uh, isn't usually what you see in the front end most of the time. You mm -hmm. tend to see more integration tests. You want to know how your stuff interacts with each other because that transfer of state is really when everything starts getting messed up. Um, so an integration test is going to be. Uh, integration test or functional test is um, going to make sure that... Are those literally the same? I think so. I usually hear them used interchangeably. So and at that point, there's like URLs involved already, right? Like go here <laughs> and do this. Yeah, yeah. And you can either, you know, you can have your own... Um, you can have code in your code that tests your own code. <laughs> uh, okay. But that gets that gets real messy real fast. So a lot of times it's easier to just get a browser pointed at your website and then have that do the testing. Um, and that's where oh. Selenium comes in. Okay, okay, okay. It, it is an example of an integration test. Like I want to make sure that our login system works. So please fire up the browser, click the login button, enter these two use this username and password which i in this testing environment i know should be accepted as a log a real login and password and then click the login button fake click it essentially right <laughs> and then and then success should happen like i don't know what the success determination is but maybe there's a welcome screen and you test for the presence of the h1 on that welcome screen or something is that about right or yeah, I'd say that's right. I think the the words you use aren't as important. It kind of changes depending on what the rest of your tests look like. Um, but the important thing is just to have a test that tests your login page, whatever you want to call it. You should know that your login page works. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, so that's that's different. There's two kinds we just covered. There's unit, which is like more of a back-end thing, usually, you're saying? There's not a lot of yeah, like front-end. small tests. Yeah. And then integration, which involves a browser. Yeah, integration or functional or acceptance. Uh, lots of people have lots of different names, but I tend to think of it as kind of small tests versus larger system tests. Okay. And Selenium is like is a major word and a major player here. So what is it? Right. So Selenium is how you tell that browser to uh, go and do things to test your page. Um, it's the language. So it is a, it's a standard. Selenium is, is a standard um, that defines how browsers um, should be able to be automated. Um, Selenium define. That's yeah. really, it's a standard. <laughs> so I could write something in Selenium. Would I need like permission to do that? Is it a company too? Um, it's, Actually, it's an open source project, and there's a W3 uh, document, a really? W3C document, yeah, defining the specification. Oh, so, I have no idea. Yeah, so Selenium is really just a set of standards, and it's up to the individual browser manufacturers, browser makers, to um, implement the, that standard. So Chrome has their own, it's called a web driver because it drives the browser. Chrome has their own web driver, Firefox has theirs, you know. 
Microsoft has an Edge driver and an IE driver. So in the same um, kind of way, it's of they implement like accessibility tools into how their browser works and all that. It's the same kind of thing. They need to have the they need to standardize how code can drive their browser. Wow. Exactly. Which uh, can sometimes lead to some issues because they don't always work the same way. Like Microsoft Edge, uh, the Edge web driver uh, was lacking some really main Selenium features until pretty recently. Um, huh. So you would try to run your test. You know, it would work great on Chrome. It would work great on Firefox. And then you try to run it on Edge and you'd get random failures just because your commands haven't been implemented yet. No kidding. But they, yeah, they finally got around to making that better uh, this past year. So they're neat. So essentially, there's like I don't know. Go to this URL and fake click this button. That's like it's standardized because I should be able to write a line of code that does that that works in any browser. Right. Hmm. And a lot of those main ones, you know, go to this page, go back, make sure this is here. Those are all good and standard. But you can also do weird stuff with Selenium. Um, like you can interact with certificates, you can install extensions. Um, I see. You can you can do a lot of interesting browser behavior. Just like web development, the the basics are are almost never a problem. It's all these little the weird stuff, the edge cases, the complications. The edge cases. <laughs> uh, um, this is interesting. I I. Swear, I thought Selenium was like a company in San Francisco. So this, I'm <laughs> learning a lot, but I go to the website and I'm like, mm, maybe it's from Seattle. But um, <laughs> no joke though, I was editing a, I was editing an article this morning that capitalized Edge in Edge cases. So it's a, it's a real thing. To- nice. Uh, so when I when I say, do I say I like catch me up on the lingo? It, do I fire up WebDriver or do I fire up Selenium? What's what do we? Or do I fire up Selenium WebDriver TM? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your test is probably going to start with from Selenium import WebDriver. Okay. And that's, um, so the thing that you're interacting with is the WebDriver. Um, if you're using a service like us, it's going to be a remote WebDriver, which means it's going to be commanding a browser that's not on your own machine. It's just going to be sending commands off to be resolved somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that was kind of my next question. When I when I run a web driver test, it it like it works on my browser, the on Dave Rupert Dave Rupert's computer. It, it fires up that one that instance and drives it around and then disappears, like exits out. Is that how mm-hmm. that works? Yeah. So when you're running it locally, uh, it just hooks right into the browser process. Basically, it your code talks to the Chrome web driver, if you're testing Chrome, mm-hmm. and then you send standard commands, you know, standardized commands to the Chrome web driver, and it, it will turn them into, um, like, you know, system-level calls to mess around with the browser. And you don't see it. It's, it is kind of like, because we hear all the time recently about headless Chrome and headless Firefox, and everybody wants a, their headless browser. Like, didn't the... W- why is that new? Selenium's been around way longer than that. Yeah, I think the the main difference is just that with Selenium, it's actually, you know, it's not headless. You see it running. You can get a video of it running. Oh, it's um, not headless. Oh. It's not headless. I, I think you can use it with headless Firefox and Chrome, but uh, I think there's something really nice about being able to actually watch it run. That's um, kind of cool. You can watch the. It'll be. Can you be like move move cursor to here and watch it like move the cursor over there to. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's it's fun to watch it like someone else uh, just manning your browser for a bit, doing your testing for you. <laughs> yeah, in a way, it's like a yeah, it's like a, a QA person that you programmed a little testing robot. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so what what kind of testing is it when you just like open it up in Firefox instead of Chrome and look at it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's uh, manual testing or just visual testing. Legacy testing. Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Okay. Real world, I like to call it. Yeah, it's. I think it's. I think it's very. Uh, it's, I think it's still relevant. Uh, you know, the future is the future is automation and, and doing more rapid. Uh, you know, visual testing, which we have solutions for that. We talk about in, in a bit, but. Uh, the the whole manual testing is kind of spot checking, going through, uh, clicking on elements, and this is more for just kind of smaller tasks that you just want to make sure things 
things are, are seamless. Uh, you know, a lot of manual testing is also good uh, for accessibility uh, and general usability because uh, a lot of those things you have to go into the console and just kind of check, you know, make sure your your title tags are there and things like that that are more monotonous tasks. Um, but but it's still extremely important for obviously having a good accessible website. Mm -hmm. I hear it called uh, exploratory testing a sure. lot. That's kind of a oh, a I love right that. Now. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that you're means... just going around, mm -hmm. poking around. Oh, I'm a pro at exploratory. <laughs> <laughs> just seeing what you can break. It makes I'm it a seem level so much seventy cooler. wizard. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Well, I mean, <laughs> but the reason you might want to do this. So I'm on like crossbrowsertesting.com, right? There's a there's like a hero thing at the top and then right below it or right between the next two sections, there's three boxes set in a row next to each other. Classic web design action. <laughs> These three boxes next to each other. Um, well, what's inside of them are the three types of testing, at least according to you, which is cool. But if you look in your web inspector and you see there's a section tag around them with a class name of triptych around it. Triptych is display flex and it has properties and stuff. This might be the kind of moment where uh, in exploratory testing, I might just pop that baby open and maybe a mobile environment to see what happens to those three boxes or make sure that the way that I've written my Flexbox code works as far back as I could and stuff. And sure. I mean, that's just straight up that, I mean, that the only way to do that is exploratory trusting really. Right. It is uh, unless you kind of flag things uh, on a visual level or automated level, uh, you know, you find something that's kind of broken or, or uh, erring out in your layout. And so with that, then you'd go into, kind of the lower level um, focus testing, like, you know, visual testing and then going in, in, into debugging mode uh, or just going through and trying to, you know, maybe you need to go and write some support tags for Flexbox or, or do some legacy stuff based on what you're trying to uh, re represent in your browser. Yeah, I think that kind of uh, bug that you want to catch specifically is great with our screenshot system uh, or just screenshots in general because you can really quickly... Um, just visually confirm how your site looks across a bunch of different browsers. You can just, you know, get 20 different phones to run screenshots and then see in a minute that, oh, yeah, everything looks the same. Or, oh, man, on this one weird phone, these buttons just are completely out of whack. Sure. Um, so these are very different things. I mean, we just got done talking about selenium and whatever weirdness that is. The Probably the... I don't know, the kind of person that spends a lot of time in that world and writing those tests is a, I don't know, in my experience, a different human being than the one who is automating, is looking at screenshots to text how, test how Flexbox is working across. They're like different jobs almost. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just different tiers of testing. So if, if it's, you know, if you have a kind of a smaller site that uh, just needs to get some some spot checking. I think manual testing and, and using uh, visual screenshots is is definitely the way to go. But if you have uh, you know for instance uh, Jenkins tasks set up, so every time you you deploy, you'll have Jenkins run a Selenium test, you know, to check A, B, and C. That's where um, you know kind of those rapid uh, testings uh, for Selenium is is where you're really going to benefit and save a lot of time. And that's more on, you know, it might be a, a larger scale company that's pushing out a lot of products, pushing out a lot of uh, web presence. And every time you build some con new component, uh, you know, run, deploy this thing via Jenkins um, and run these screenshots against these things. Go click in, log in, do, do your magic, uh, whatever kind of uh, funnel you want to you have uh, set up. And then from that, you can go through and just kind of spot check which one passed, which one failed, uh, and then see why they failed if you need to go into kind of exploratory testing or manual testing and, and fix some of those errors. Yeah. I think whether or not you automate uh, really just depends on how mission critical you think not having any bugs is. You know, if it's a checkout process, you're going to want to have that tested. That is not something you want breaking. Um, if it's, uh, you know, just a, a marketing page for a special offer, that might be something that you only want to visually check, spot check to make sure it looks okay. Um, maybe a little Selenium test to make sure people can sign up. But it really just depends on how much you want to invest in making sure your stuff works. And do y'all recommend like you like Jenkins for those who don't know? It's like a 
a testing environment, right? You you kind of program it like, hey, do these rules, and and everything should succeed, and then you can either pass or fail the build, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you recommend that like at the like, I, I guess like pre-commit level or the pre like merge level? What where would where should we be testing and rejecting if it messed up? Um, I think the you definitely want to have something run a full suite of tests before you push to production. It, it'd be kind of a waste to not run tests when you're about to deploy. Um, and I, you know, it's always a trade-off between how much uh, time and resources you want to devote to testing and how important it is um, that your stuff is tested. So uh, a lot of QA teams have what are called smoke tests, which are simple, fast tests to just make sure something builds and basically works. And they'll run those smoke tests on smaller commits or uh, on, you know, different branches, say when they push to a test environment or a dev environment. Um, So they're not using their resources. uh, They're not running their full test suite every time they make a a little commit. Um, Mm -hmm. What... Okay, so I, you know, it's interesting. I, I work with a lot of clients, and you know, it, it's always risk averse. You know, some something happened, like somebody pushed a bug that broke IE ten, and uh, now everyone's afraid to like commit because <laughs> like commit mm-hmm. code because somebody broke IE ten once, and and it's uh, so. I think like this sort of automated testing would be really good, but how? Uh, What's the process to for making a test? Is it difficult? Does it take a lot of time? Um, what's the learning curve for something like Selenium? And could you like walk through like um, it'd be mouth coding, but like setting up mm-hmm. a how to test uh, a login form like in with WebDriver? Yeah, there are uh, so many different ways. Um, if you really need to just get something out fast and do something really easy. Um, there are ways to record your actions in a browser. What? That will really? Spit That's out. cool. Yeah, Selenium IDE um, and Selenium Builder are two Firefox plugins that can just take uh, all of your actions and just spit out a Selenium script at the end. Cool. Um, See, that seems too easy. It, <laughs> it, it kind of is. The tests that it spit out tend to be pretty brittle. Uh, a lot of times they use XPaths, which, you know, if... That's rough test. That's rough stuff. <laughs> it, that's rough stuff. It'll work in a pinch, but if you really want to um, make something that'll last, you can... Um, at least you can look at the code, though, then at the end and be like, oh, I see what they're doing here. Let me clean this up a little bit. That's true. That's something you can totally do. You know, go and see wherever it's using an XPath and change that to use an ID. Is the code is the code uh, like JavaScript, or I assume it's probably its own like DSL or something? But is it like I can can I query selector and things like that? Or yeah, the um, there are Selenium uh, language bindings for basically any programming language you want to use. Even Haskell has Selenium bindings. If you just really hate yourself. Um. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I, I mean, that's like, that's, hey, you dropped Haskell, and so now it's getting full nerd. So. <laughs> um, so if you're using the JavaScript bindings, which I feel like a bunch of um, front end developers would be comfortable in, uh, you just um, you import your web driver or you require it, and then you um, tell it to, you give Selenium uh, commands to run. Say you want it to go to a URL, you say um, driver.get, and then the page you want it to go to, and then that'll return a promise, and you end up having a kind of a chain of promises that either get uh, resolved or rejected, depending on whether or not they pass or fail. So you can also have commands that um, check to make sure the text in one of your um, links is what you expect it to be. Um, I think we get the point, though. Yeah, there's there's yeah. Way, there's ways to do this, and you can write it in JavaScript if you want to, but it's kind of amazing that you can write it in whatever you want as well. Okay, let's say the test is done, you have it, it's working. 
is it's isn't it kind of part of the beauty of you know cross-browser testing that okay I wrote the test and it passes in Chrome. Does it also pass in IE10? How do I run? How do I run it in multiple browsers? Well, one of those ways is to use a tool, right? Right. Uh, so the first thing you your Selenium script does is it sets up that web driver, which is what's going to run all of your uh, commands. And if you're running on our infrastructure, you just tell it what browser you want. You can say. I want Edge, and we'll just give you an Edge. Or I want Safari 10, and we'll set up Safari for you. And because so, Selenium is a thing, I don't need to change my code for those browsers. It will be- right. You don't need to change anything. You just need to ask. You just need to tell it what you want to test on. Wow, cool. And that's the same kind of way. Because you know, to be honest, the way I use tool like cross browser testing is mostly the manual testing stuff and there's a comparison there because i just i log in to the test center and i drop in a url and i i make that same choice although i make it with my eyeballs and my mouse i click i want this platform in this browser and please fire me one up and then it does that so just in case people didn't know i bet there's a ton of of front-end developers and designers who are well aware of the tool like this but if there haven't, I mean, this didn't exist forever, this type of ability. It's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is fairly new, and it's pretty amazing. And this idea is like, oh, my, my thing could be broken in IE9. How am I going to do that? The historical way to do that would be like, <laughs> it's going to be a pain in the ass. Like, I should mm-hmm. fire up a VM that has IE9 on it, and I think Windows provides one for testing for free, but still, it's a VM, and I need a, you know, I got to get a copy of Windows running or something. Or the, the stage after that was that there was a like screen testing tools, like give it this URL, and you'll, I'll give you a JPEG back of what it looks like in that browser, which is pretty cool. And cross browser testing can do that too. And the advantage there being that you're going to get, you can get 30 screenshots back pretty quickly, which is pretty valuable. But it doesn't give me a click aroundable, web inspectable version of i9. A tool, you know, one of the things that cross browser testing can do is that it can fire me up some IE9 right in my Mac on Chrome without spinning up a VM, without doing any of that. I, I, it's just like a version of IE9 in my browser, which that's the part to me that still amazes me to this day. I'm sure it's old hat, especially for those of you that work there, but it's kind of amazing that you can do that at all. It's, it feels it feels pretty magical to be able to just fire something up and within seconds you're in a session and yeah. uh, you know can just debug things on the fly and then switch configs and and before you know it you know you've you could kind of rapidly test your stuff uh, on, on a manual level and I think it's still re- still relevant but uh, you know doing using things like the screenshot engine is uh, there's a lot of stuff that we've implemented with our screenshot engine, uh, like like Selenium. So you can actually write a Selenium script using and run against our screenshot engine. Uh, so say you have a say an, an internal dashboard that's behind a login panel or or something that you have to prompt a few steps to get to. Uh, oh no, kidding! So these attach. two things can can kind of can kind of work together. Like go it's to this congruent. URL and yeah. click this, and then hopefully that modal is there. I'll see that modal in the screenshots. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you can also request uh, to record videos uh, with Selenium. So so say back to the the screenshot example. If you're doing just kind of uh, rapid visual testing, if you need to write a Selenium script to get past a login form or add things to the cart. Then you can request your screenshot at various states upon that versus going in and manually clicking elements to get to that view and then requesting a screenshot. Um, wow. Oh, and look at this. And then you can even get a little video of it if you want to. Yep. That's, some, that's something else. It's a brave new world, you guys. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you by Full Story. That's fullstory.com slash shop talk which is the URL you want to go to because then you get a free month of Full Story Pro with no credit card or no commitment or anything. 
a free month of what, you might ask. Uh, what is Full Story? It's a session recording tool. It takes about 10 minutes to install it into your app. Just a little JavaScript snippet you get in there. Maybe you pass it a little information about what's going on at the page and starts recording sessions. It's, it's essentially recording the DOM. It's really amazing what it can do. Whatever I say here can't do it justice. You got to go try it out because it's so amazing. But you can then, you know, it's recording users using your website and, you know, put, feel free to put in a little logic there of what you want to record and when and all that stuff. Uh, uh, but it's literally you just watch people use your site then. Watch them navigate around. Watch them interact with your site um, and you're seeing exactly what they're seeing and it's not even a video it's like like I said it's kind of like recording the DOM so you can say you know search around show me when people clicked on the button with this ID and it will narrow selections to that it will show you frustrated users and rate you against uh, um, other apps kind of anonymously you know to show you how you're doing and that kind of thing it's really pretty uh, uh, incredible in what it can do so Go to fullstory.com slash shop talk and get the free month. Get it up and running on your site in 10 minutes uh, uh, and, and start understanding how people are using your site. You know, they people like Dropbox use them, Wistia, Zenefits, Shopify. Lots of companies use it. I use it. I think it's awesome. Thanks, Full Story. Okay, so I think we've covered the types of testing. There's this like very manual or what were we calling it? Exploratory. Exploratory. <laughs> I love that. And there's the screenshot stuff, but the screenshot stuff is related to, you know, it's, you get a lot more of it quickly and it can be tied to this <clears throat> automated Selenium stuff too, which is writing code to explicitly tell a browser what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can also stuff. drive the screenshot system with, through Selenium. Uh, yeah, through Selenium and with, an API call, you know, you can have your Jenkins kick off a screenshot test. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. There's a lot there. So, uh, Dave, where do you want to, I mean, there's plenty of places to go here, but do you have thoughts on that whole world? I would love to hear some anecdotes, maybe, um, <laughs> like what are like the, what, what do people actually guess, catch with this? Huh? Yeah. What, what, what bugs are we catching here? Or like, do we have any good anecdotes of like things yeah. people found or, um, y- you know, um, I, I always think of this time. I have this app called day trip. Uh, I like ship some code and it was broken and the login form was broken in IE, uh, or wait, no, it was broken in mobile safari. And I was like, Oh, that's bad. Uh, so I, I think what I did is I was like, oh, I don't have like a fetch polyfill. So I put a fetch polyfill in there and it's like, okay, I fixed the sign up form. I'm done. Cool. Goodbye. Have a nice weekend. And then it's like, oh, it doesn't work in edge because edge didn't have promises either. <laughs> and so you need promise polyfill to make the edge polyfill or the fetch polyfill work to make it all work all together. And I just was like, I, I just, I don't know. I, I like broke down basically. Cause I was like, how am I supposed to test this? Like, how, you know, like I could have like, sure. I could have like set up all this automated testing and like, you know, every commit I ran it through 4,000 browsers or whatever. <laughs> but like, I guess like what, what kind of things should I be testing? And then what are, what are like dumb, useless or overly hard things you see people testing when, when they like are, are building things out? Yeah, I can, I can speak a little bit, a little bit to that. So I think there's this um, glamorous rumor that all browsers have to look the same, uh, and uh, consistency is good for for obviously usability and for Google's sake. You know that they want to make sure that usability is consistent across all platforms and browsers. Uh, it's extremely important for any kind of SEO impact um, and accessibility testing. Uh, but the biggest thing is is uh, you know that truth is 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 actually not true at all. It's it's um, Every browser is different. There's thousands of resolutions. There's thousands of devices, and with each device, there's dozens of browsers or you know a handful of browsers you can put on each of those. So it can be quickly uh, overwhelming to think about uh, what you're up against. But um, I think the biggest thing to to just to just focus on is you know one thing at a time and and using the tools to your advantage. Uh, and, and part of that is, uh, accepting the fact that not everything's going to look the same in all browsers, you know, 
if you're unless you're building everything in tables, that's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I'd say, especially if you're building everything in tables, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, everything's evolving, everything's changing. Uh, you know, every phone that comes out from from Samsung and, and Nexus every few months is going to have a different resolution. You've got this new iPhone 10, uh, not iPhone X, uh, that has this notch at the top. And of course, you know, Chris did a fantastic uh, blog on CSS tricks on the notch, uh, working around that notch um, in landscape mode. Uh, this is a good good blog to check out. Uh, so there's just various things to. Oh, you don't have you don't have iPhone 10 on cross-browser testing yet, do you? <laughs> Not yet. We're working on no it. One has. Keep iPhone an eye out yet. for it. <laughs> okay, we're keeping our eyes. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's yeah. I want to see that monstrosity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. Okay. So, all right. Keep going. Keep going. I I feel like it. Yeah. So so with you know kind of the big the big starting question is what do you test. Uh, you know, because it, it can quickly be overwhelming. Uh, and so with that, I highly recommend Google Analytics. You know, everybody that has a website should have some form of analytics set up. Um, Google's the best. Uh, and so with Google Analytics, uh, that's really where I typically start to test if I'm building out uh, front-end uh, sites. And so... Um, what is Google you know, Analytics telling you? Yeah, so Google Analytics will tell you OS type. Uh, it'll tell you what browsers are being used by your your, your traffic, your visitors, uh, as well as the, those dates fluctuate month to month and week to week because browsers are constantly being updated, um, you know, as well as people are getting new devices. And so as these things constantly roll out, you have to be on top of what your code supports and what your users are using. So for instance, if you are running a, you know, trendy, cool mobile app, um, you might have a, a lot of really relevant up-to-date browsers that support things like grid or flexbox but if you're a university or uh you know for instance a hospital you might be working in you know ie 7 8 9 that has to have support because if that stuff's broken it can be mission critical mm-hmm. um, you, you got to know what your customers are using and write your tests to make sure that the most uh so that you can cover the majority of your users and make sure that their experience is good whether they're a bunch of developers running, you know, Canary Chrome or a bunch of, you know, people in a senior home who are stuck on IE8 in their Windows XP box. Yeah. I mean, in every, every site and every, every, you know, configuration of, of the user and browser and, and OS is going to be different. You know, you could assume things, but the really, the, you know, the smartest way to do it is just is design with data and test with data. And so say, you know, you're building this new hip website and it's all built in grid. But then you realize that, you know, the website is for selling wheelchairs to senior citizens and everything, everybody is in, uh, you know, an older config. Well, you know, your checkout process might work on the latest version of Chrome and everything looks beautiful with your new CSS grid, but it's, it's a horrendous experience for anybody on IE. Uh, and so those are the types of things you just have to really dig into the data first before you can start thinking about what tests are going to best fit your use case. Okay, cool. I would think there's some, like if you just sat and thought about it, you'd have some intuition as to what what's the first test I want to write. And hopefully that intuition is based on like, what have I screwed, what is like perennially screwed up this team in this project? Or I don't know if that's the right word, but just over and over. Like, for example, there was like, I don't know, it was a little while ago now, but it seemed like every little change we made at CodePen would somehow screw up our, the mobile version of our editor. We have like kind of mm-hmm. a different, we have a different view. It loads like different HTML, CSS, and JavaScript for the, for the mobile editor, but it still it like digests the same data and largely has the same options available to it. But we'd like add a new option or something to the desktop editor. And, you know, that's the primary, you know, people use that, you know, a hundred times more than the mobile editor on our site. And then, but the the mobile one like wouldn't be aware of that feature because we forgot to just pop in there and just like make it aware of that data. You know, in JavaScript, any little thing can just be like, oh, here's some data that I don't understand. I'll stop processing all JavaScript, you know, just because mm-hmm. that's how JavaScript likes to roll. And we'd be like, oh, we we literally ruined the entire mobile editor. Like it hit an error and it didn't even get to the point where it loads the code into the friggin' editors, you know? Mm-hmm. So it might be a moment where we'd stop and be like, okay, that needs a test. That just, it needs a test of some kind to mm-hmm. make sure that that doesn't happen, you know? 
It'd be kind of neat if there was a way to write a really generic test to be like, does this page experience any JavaScript errors? Please tell me that. Oh, man. Yeah. If you get (laughs) really invested into your Selenium, some of the most beautiful automated uh, Selenium, um, I guess, implementations I've seen by companies, they basically build their entire custom framework. So they'll have... um, They'll have what they call page objects, which um, describe different functionality. They have, you know, they describe what kind of elements should be in the page and how those elements should interact. And they'll have functions that describe how users can interact with those different elements. So kind of a super modular um, way to test. Uh, So they'll have like, oh, I want to test my login and checkout flow. So... They'll say, I want to go to my login page object. Um, I want to run this login function that, you know, tests all of your login things. Uh, And then I just want to, like, add something to my cart. So you'll say uh, product page dot add to cart, and that'll kick off an entire suite of actions that add something to your cart. Make sure that what you added to your cart is what you thought you were adding to your cart. Um, you can end up with these really beautiful, expressive, generic tests that you can kind of compose together to just test all of your functionality. It's an investment, but man, once once you get that stuff set up, it is yeah, it is like testing Nirvana. <laughs> it's funny though. Is there now that I've thought of this little micro idea in my head, it makes me wonder: is there? Is there a way to set up Selenium or anything else just to be like, yeah, I, I want to write these like nuance tests too. I want to get to testing Nirvana, but I also want a test that says, go to this URL and did all the J- J- JavaScript execute without an error, just of any kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, one of our coworkers, Tony Colston, actually just did a talk. I forget what conference he was at. I think it might have been the Smart Bear conference. Um, he did a talk about uh, kind of managing JavaScript errors in the JavaScript console in Selenium. Mm. So it's a uh, you can like totally do it. Yeah, that would just that seems like a great test because it seems like was error yes then <laughs> tell me please because that's that's you know you can't tell until you go to that URL and look. You know? Yeah, that seems like a great way to get started. I imagine that would catch a lot of you know. Not a lot the, of they're the most embarrassing errors too. They're like, oh my god, <laughs> just a straight up. It's a, like you know, one some kind of dumb little. I'd say missing semicolon, but that's too. Yeah, <laughs> or like I forgot. Oh god, I forgot to check if this property exists, and now my entire yeah. site's just a black page. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, Dave, that just you know, you were just lamenting that the other week. You know how you have to check if properties exist all the time and you know, mm-hmm. it's just so, uh, sort of the pain of you know everybody wants to go vanilla javascript but you forget sometimes the all those little the pain of that yeah yeah just i i think that's like you know i re- recently the difference between css and javascript has been like a big big topic or whatever but you know css is like i didn't get it I'm just going to skip it but html you know, <laughs> i just you know yeah yeah i'm just going to just skip it in JavaScript's like you can't you can't set an attribute that doesn't exist, man. Or, or like you can't get an attribute that doesn't exist. I I'm dead. I'm out. Okay. Sorry. You Boy, did this. You did yeah. this to me. You yeah. did this. I I'm not the bad guy here. I'm JavaScript. Yeah. Uh no, that's I think that's the like I, I feel like just the nature of JavaScript, and I think we're all seeing. You guys probably actually probably have metrics on like how much JavaScript you're processing, but uh, you know people are moving over to JavaScript more and more, depending on it to render pages, build things, you know, submit things. So I, I feel like the fact that it is so brittle and in just one, I guess, wrongly typed thing can just explode you is is something, you know. I think that's worth testing. I actually read, this is tangential, but somewhat related. I, I read a academic paper about using strong type languages like TypeScript or uh, Facebook's flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, you know, just 
just implementing a, a strong type system into like open source repos could solve like 15% of all bugs just because people like just because you have a strong type system, it like reduces the number of bugs. And anyway, that's just to say, like, you probably have 15% of your errors because somebody like is trying to pass a number in or a string into an addition function, you know, and it's just like, nah, I don't get it. So. All of our uh, back end and front end stuff is all mostly vanilla JavaScript and Angular and Node. Um, but I've really been dying to switch over to TypeScript because I can't tell you how many times I've sat there staring at my code for hours just trying to figure out, you know, how I got an undefined somewhere or why, you know, why my object isn't an object. Yeah. We, it's always parse int is the answer. <laughs> but the other day we were comma trying to 10. get, yeah, comma 10, because you're, you're going to mess it up if you don't do comma 10 weirdly. But, uh, we're, we're doing L like, like some element query selector dot last child, because we actually needed to grab a text node that was like the total. So we could like re like send that total off to some AB test thing. And, and, but the, the total was not wrapped in a node. So we had to just like somehow get this little bit of string without doing some crazy, ugly regex. Mm -hmm. And we are like element last child. And then we are like, okay, you know, send last child. And it's just like, nah, I don't do that. <laughs> and, and you're just like, what's going on? Uh, Cause you like console log, you know, element last child. And it's like 45.00. And you're like, okay, cool. That's a number. That's right. And then, but the type, it's actually a node item that you have. So you have to do like mm. node item dot text content and like, and then you parse int on that. And it's, it was just like a, or parse float, I think is what we did. Cause it was a decimal, but man, it, it was just such a, like, such a WTF moment because you're just like I don't get this I I do not understand like that's in so classic just, JavaScript yeah yeah like you're staring at the code it's telling you the right answers when you try to check them and then it just isn't and so but I think that's the reality we all live in is we're we're, we're all bug hunters for our own code uh, wise words um <laughs> <laughs> I had so okay this. Testing and and you guys were saying you you know you build the interface for cross browser testing. So, um, what like does implementing a test suite like some you know maybe let's that dream suite is obviously like a, a nice thing, but does that slow down your development? Or is is my job a bummer? And what do we say <laughs> to to the to the shop talk listener who's under the gun from their boss to like ship a WordPress site every week or something like that? What about How, we could also talk work workflow because it sounds like that's yeah. related to that. Like, what is what is testing and workflow like? Uh, I think if you have a if you have a really nice setup and a team that supports you uh, and some good infrastructure, it can make your job so much easier because you'll have a, a bunch of tests that run overnight. You come into work in the morning and you have a checklist of stuff that is broken overnight. Um, how long do these things take? <laughs> I mean, it depends. It depends on how big you are, um, how much you invest in this. A lot of our biggest customers do run tests overnight that take hours and test every page on their website, a full application test across tons of different browsers and devices. Wow. Um, we actually have one guy who, uh, has a script that takes the videos of all of his automated tests that run overnight and stitches them together into one big, long video with captions showing what's happening at every moment. And the first thing he does when he comes in is make his coffee and watches those tests What? and sees what breaks. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. I I watch Overwatch YouTube's, but that's cool too. <laughs> remember that remember that guy in Waterworld and his job was just to like report how much oil there was in the oil tanker and they like I don't know. That just seems like an awful job, but it <laughs> Wow, okay. But but that you can go that deep is kind of what you're saying. Like you can like compress compile out some video if you want. Yeah. You just get to know where your stuff gets broken. Mm -hmm. 
so I guess like like somebody who has to to you know the good fast cheap triangle they're they're building on the like uh fast and cheap end like is does testing fit into into their lifestyle or or do they need to wait on some is it is it more for something like a product that's kind of long term you know has has a longevity i think there's a lot to be gained for for both i think the the fast and cheap quadrant um Mm -hmm. can get a lot out of it just by saying you know writing a test that's super simple uh goes to a page does a thing checks for errors you know just kind of a, a sanity test on your site and you can run that you know when you make changes just to to check that okay yeah i didn't massively screw this up you know i can keep moving forward on this um and that's something you could probably do uh like pre-commit or something just something like like run it through chrome on my machine and just see if i messed it up yeah yeah you can yeah or you know say you have a lot of uh users still on ie10 for whatever reason um and you know you abandoned your windows 7 box years ago so your ie10's gone uh and you just want to make sure it works really quick. You can just record a quick Selenium test, click around a bit, um, and then every time you you make a change before you push it up, you can just run it and make sure that it still works. You know, it's probably ten minutes to record the test, and then you can play it back however many times you want, um, and you'll always be able to know before you commit your changes that yeah, your site still works. Um, at least the the main thing that that page is doing still works. So it's a it's a not a big investment for a really big payoff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that changes aren't like no breaking changes, kind of. Yeah, I mean, like part- just just a fence for that. Yeah, and, and just over time, the longer you do that, the longer you stick in that uh, fast and cheap quadrant, the more tests you're going to end up with. And over time, that just builds and builds into, and before you know it, you have an automated test suite that, you know, is fairly comprehensive, um, almost without thinking about it. And then once you have that suite of tests built up, you're probably going to start seeing patterns and things that you can abstract out. And then you have more generic tests. And before you know it, you're starting to have like a testing framework customized for your own site. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I think really what I see is the fast and cheap quadrant can turn into testing Nirvana uh, <laughs> pretty quickly. So <clears throat> while I'm striking out with metaphors, let's say, <laughs> let's go. For yeah. It. Yes, okay. You know how there's like, my toes. there's pills for like high blood pressure, you know, but like another one of those solutions for that is to like not eat nachos for breakfast. You know? <laughs> Uh, I can't give up my breakfast nachos. Uh, The science is still out here. Sorry. uh, Is there some situations like that too? Like you don't need as much testing if you do do these practices kind of thing. Is that, was that worth talking about? Like what can you do to help yourself here with uh, making sure you're, you're kind of cross browser cool and bug free. (laughs) Uh, I think can I use is an excellent resource to figure out, um, what CSS works on what browsers. Uh, so you should, you should have a good gut feeling for what is safe to use and what isn't safe to use. Yeah. So about, with, with, can I use, yeah, with, can I use, we talked about analytics, uh, previously we, they have it kind of use has an analytics integration. And so if you go in to kind of use and you type in grid or Flexbox or, or whatever kind of new fancy, you know, animation property you want to put in there. Um, and then you can actually import your analytics. So not only will it tell you a global level across what property will be supported across all global browsers usage, but specifically about what, uh, you know, what usage you have for your users. So say you're testing, you know, grid or, or whatever, um, you know, you can actually quickly go in there, say you're going to use grid for the majority of your layout. Um, oh, wow. Well, I have, you know, 60% of my users don't support grid. You know, next question is how do you handle that? Um, but just being no, just knowing what you're up against, and and you know, being responsible about 
what properties you're using and, and not getting just so uh, blinded about the excitement about new things coming out, but just being aware of, of how responsible, uh, you know, having some of these cohesive experiences are. Because uh, frankly, you know, a bad, a bad experience that's, that's quickly untested and, and slips through the cracks can, can really make or break a company. You know, if you think about someone that is heavily relying on, say, a nonprofit that heavily relies on staying open uh, via donations or an e-commerce site that's trying to, you know, create, create a brand or, or, or create sales. If you have, you know, for instance, a JavaScript, that annoying a little JavaScript error that slipped through the cracks, you know, maybe that entire checkout funnel or donation funnel is, is broken. Uh, you know, if, say, you're deploying code and, and you're not testing that, you know, that, that can really make or break the success of your company and your online experience. Um, and so it's not just one thing like can I use. It's it's just really be really building that muscle of, of testing and that mindset and and making it a good habit for your team uh, to have kind of a, a portion of QA and and uh, just going through and spot checking and run te running a test of suites and and eventually it will uh, it will start building up and building up and become becoming faster. So it's it's not such a monotonous task of just clicking around a website and then changing configs and then repeating those actions. That is a was a was a nice wise words to probably wrap up that section with a little bit. So, um, as we kind of approach the, the the sad ending of this show a little bit, maybe uh, Dave, if you have any final questions, it'd be good to ask those. And then, yeah, uh, I think I think I just have one question, and um, I think it's like very timely because it's on the top of everyone's mind, but. Um, are, are web driver scripts powering Russian botnets? <laughs> I, is, is... I have seen things. Um, wow. I think like people trying to use a service, not necessarily yours, but to run malicious, uh, intents. Yep. Yep. I, I think Selenium, uh, definitely has potential for great evil. Um, seen people, um, yeah, I've seen people use uh, Selenium to scrape website. I don't know if I should be talking about this, <laughs> but I've seen okay. I've seen people use it to um, automate other people's browsers and get them to mine bitcoins. I've seen people use Selenium. Mm. Um, I mean, the answer is, of course, they are. It's yeah. the language for that. You know, like it's just that's just the way it is. Anything you would want to hijack someone's browser to do, uh, Selenium. <laughs> Is is the choice? <laughs> That's I. I often thought I should like make a gulp plugin uh, that would, when you spin up gulp or grunt or something, it would like mine bitcoins, you know. <laughs> and like I install it at my company, it rolls out to like four hundred developers, and then <laughs> then all of a sudden people are mining bitcoins for me, and they don't know. Be cool if there is a low a level great... thing on your computer that you could make it use Touch ID or Face ID or whatever before a Selenium process was allowed to start. So even if you're running them overnight, at least you got to like Face ID before you leave for the night. <laughs> That'd be cool. No, that's fun. Anyway, sorry. It 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 is. I think that was kind of like a. I don't know if I can now program a computer to drive the web. What else can I program it to? Um, to do. Yeah. And the answer is Vacuum. anything. I have a um, I have a fun little personal project where um, I actually use Selenium to go to Slack, and I have it kind of read and interact with Slack and get information and pipe it over. I'm, I'm a terminal junkie. So I have it basically just pipe Slack into my terminal. Um, Whoa. And I can have, I can, you know, send my message and have it send that to Selenium and then Selenium will type it into Slack and press enter. <laughs> I get all of the battery loss of running it in Chrome and all of the inconvenience of using it through my terminal. It's great. <laughs> that, really so, okay. Stuff. So, I have a stand-up bot that talks to me every day. <laughs> could I program when that message comes in? Could it just go to my GitHub, like go to the project that's relevant to the the bot asking a question, check insights, and then kind of like give a commit history on what I did? Yeah, it could. That's a like, lot of what I use Selenium for is like, because I'm too lazy to actually figure out how to properly scrape a website or properly automate a website. I'll just say, okay, load up a browser. Pretend I'm actually there. Mm, wow. Interesting. 
That's fun. Okay. I Now my brain's turning. All right. Well, thank you all so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, for people who aren't uh, following you and giving you money, how can they do that? Um, we'll start with Eli. I uh, don't need money. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eli Brumley. Feel free to give us the pitch for Crossbrother. Everybody gets a pitch at the end of the show anyway. You might as well do it. We haven't done it officially. The pitch for CBT. Yes. Crossbrother testing. Uh, it's... I think it's one of the best testing tools out there. Uh, you can actually sign up right now for the seven-day free trial. And you can test pretty much every component of our app to get a good feel of how you can you know, integrate this into your, uh, in your environment and your workflow. Um, it is, it's quite the tool. And if you still have questions, we have a ton of really smart guys here that would love to talk uh, via Twitter. X Browser Testing is our Twitter handle. Uh, we actually have uh, webinars that happen throughout the week, and you can sign up for those. Um, and those are really great times for you to come in and interact uh, and, and, and ask specific questions about, you know, can I do this or how do I in- integrate this into my testing suite? Uh, and we've got some guys here that, that just love talking about testing. And uh, it, it's a great time to have some, some good one-on-one time as well as if you want to learn some more high-level stuff like Selenium. Uh, Tony gives fantastic Selenium webinars that can really get you up and running within, you know, within a few minutes. A reasonable amount of time. <laughs> right. Uh, there's also the CodePen integration too. I didn't mention that, but that's pretty cool. How yes. it kind of you can test anything on CodePen uh, over cross-browser testing, the the visual way, or I probably the screenshot way too. I would think. Yep. Uh, Maybe all the ways. All the ways. If you're make sure your code pens work, test them across different browsers. Watch your code pen fail in IE6 and AOL Explorer. Yeah, do you still It'll have be a good time. on there? We still have we have Netscape, we have Mozilla, not Firefox, Mozilla browser. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, if you just want to get a blast from the past, sign up for a trial and watch everything crash in IE7. <laughs> I love this. I love it. All right, well, thank you all so much, and thank you, dear listener, for downloading this and your podcatcher of choice. Be sure to star heart favorite it up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for tens of tweets a month. If you hate your job, head over to shoptalkshow.com slash jobs. Get a brand new one. And uh, Chris, you got anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> shoptalkshow.com.